Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Now watch this because this is so important in this verse. The psalmist is declaring his condition. He's beginning to describe his soul's condition. And then he said this, So, as a result of my condition, I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory because your loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise you. You see, the psalmist identifies that the only thing that can quench the thirsting of his soul is the sanctuary of God. But not only the sanctuary, notice what he said in Psalm 63. He said, seeing into the sanctuary and observing two qualities of God. Number one, the power of God. Number two, the glory of God. Last week I presented a message to you, why should I read my Bible? Today, I want to ask this question. Why should I pray? I want to present to you today not how-tos, because I think the church is filled with that. We've got all kinds of conferences and seminars, books written on how to pray. But let me present to us this morning, why should I pray? You see, prayer is like drinking at the fountain of God's presence. Jeremiah 29 and 13 says, And you will seek me and find me, when you search for me with all of your heart. Let me say this, ladies and gentlemen, prayer is never a head thing. Now follow me. Prayer is never a head thing. It's never an intellectual thing. Prayer is never an external thing, full of needs that we present to God. Now, we may present those things in prayer, but if prayer is limited or defined by what we have need of, it's not true prayer in my, in my, in my thinking. I believe that prayer is being able to get into the sanctuary of God and see His glory and see His power. Prayer is like drawing God's presence into your situation. This is what Isaiah the prophet said, chapter 12 and verse 3. He said, therefore with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Ladies and gentlemen, prayer is drawing out God's presence. The word draw means this, to cause to come out for one's use or benefit, to extract, to induce, and to bring forth. Prayer induces, prayer draws out, prayer causes that which we have need of to come forth and flood our souls. Let me give you some statistics on prayer, I think you'll be encouraged 96% of all born-again Christians polled say that they pray. But watch this. 72% of non-believers say they pray. Now we're talking about people that don't even profess Christianity, don't even profess necessarily going to church and knowing God, but they say that they pray as well. And what are they praying about? Well, 95% of the people that do pray want to thank God for something. 67% 67% of the people praise God for something. 
76% ask for forgiveness, 61% ask for help, and 47% of the people that prayed are just listening because they want to hear from God. But the average prayer in America lasts under five minutes. 88% of the women, they pray. Come on, girls, hallelujah. But only 75% of the men pray at least one time a week. Much has been taught on prayer, but I want to introduce to you today the why that you and I should pray. First of all, I believe it's a heart-to-heaven connection. Ezekiel 36 and 26 tells us that we need a transplanted heart. The Bible says simply this, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. God understood that prayer is not from the head, but it's from the heart. And therefore, the type of heart that we had before we were born again could not communicate with God. Oh, you could communicate with your mind. That's why 72% of even non-believing people pray. But real intimate prayer comes from your heart and not from your head. That's why God had to give us a new heart. And so he gives us a new heart to have this heart-to-heaven connection established in our life. Jeremiah 31 and 33 says this, But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. In other words, he said, I'm going to give you a heart with the ability to know me. With the ability to know me. That's why in Psalm 63 and 2 said that we want to see the glory and the power of God. But you can't see the glory and power with your mind. You have to see it with your heart. Did you know this morning that your heart has eyes? And they're only made for God. When we got the new heart, God gave us a heart with the ability to see Him. To see into the sanctuary, to see His power, and to see His glory. It was a prophet Isaiah, chapter 6, in verse 1, that says that in the day that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up, and the train of His robe filled the temple. You see, when you get in that kind of level of prayer, it'll change your life. When your heart begins to be opened up and you see into the sanctuary of God and you see the Lord on His throne and you begin to see the glory of the Lord, the train of the Lord filling the temple of which God is enthroned, your life will never be the same. That's the kind of prayer that we as a generation of believers have to get to. We have to begin dismissing the kind of prayer that even non-believing people will utter. We need to begin to go a little bit deeper. We need to begin to see the importance and the priority of getting into the sanctuary of God. This is what Moses cried. He said, Lord, I want to see your glory. Show me your glory. His prayer wasn't, meet our need every day, God. Come on, you need to give us manna. How about some meat once in a while? Send some quail. Oh, God, don't let our shoes wear out. Oh, Jesus, can our, can our clothing continue so that we you know there's no stores out here in the wilderness? That wasn't his prayer. His prayer was, show me your glory. I believe that we can get that kind of passion 
burning in our hearts today to say, God, show me your glory. I want to see your power. I want to see your splendor. I want to see you enthroned on the throne of heaven. And all these other things will take care of themselves. Did you notice the testimony in Deuteronomy chapter 8? The Bible says this, because Moses cried out for the glory of the Lord to be demonstrated in his life, to be revealed to himself. The Bible says this, that their shoes did not wear out for 40 years. They never lacked food every day. As a matter of fact, not till the Passover of the time of Joshua, when they were about to enter in to the promised land, did the manna cease. So for 40 years, they ate of the manna and the quail that came by the winds of God. Their, their provision was met. Listen, we need to stop praying about our food and praying about our clothing and praying about our houses and praying about our bank accounts. Come on, church. And we need to start focusing on the glory of the Lord. Show me your glory, God. Show me your power. Let me see within the courts of my God. I want to see your throne. We become so elementary in our prayer. So kindergarten level, basic, so self-serving that we think that we've got to pray. Jesus said this. He said, look at the birds. They don't build barns. And they don't ever eat. They don't have to worry about what they're going to eat. Don't worry about it. So too your father. How much more does he love you? You don't have to be concerned about that. Now you can thank him for the meal. You can thank him that he fed you and he clothed you and he gave you a house and shelter. And he gave you all these natural things. But let me tell you something. Stop focusing on the temporal and start focusing on the eternal. Verse 10 of Isaiah chapter 6. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy. Shut their eyes lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and return and be healed. God was speaking to the nation because they weren't following him. And the prophet said, you know, God's going to close our eyes and he's going to close our ears. And we're not going to be able to hear lest we be healed. Because they were in rebellion. But listen, that that same scripture is is true for those on the the right side of God. uh, In covenant with God. If the eyes and ears can be closed and healing can be avoided, then the ears and the eyes can be opened and healing can come. I believe when our heart's eyes, our heart's ears are open, we can see a flow of God's provision that comes from His glory, that comes from His power. Show us Your glory, Lord. Fill this house with Your glory, God. Fill my home with Your glory, God. Fill fill my life with Your manifest presence, God. I don't want to live. I don't want to look for anything else but Your glory. If I don't see Your glory, if I don't feel Your power, then I don't want to live. I'm going to say thank You for all the provision in my life. But I know where, where the healing comes from. I know where all my need comes from. It comes from His glory. Church, we need to get a hunger for His presence, His manifest presence. We need to make that our focus in prayer. James chapter 5 and 17 in the Amplified Bible. Look at it, please. Elijah was a human being with a nature such as we have, with feelings and affections and a constitution like ours. And he prayed earnestly for it not to rain. And no rain fell on the earth for three years and six months. Elijah was a man 
just like ours. But the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man. And that's not talking about screaming at the top of your lungs. That's not about praying all night long so you could put your time in and convince God you're serious. Come on, that's what we've done, haven't we? We've tried some human effort to build points with God by saying, I'm praying all night long. Now, there's nothing wrong with all night prayer. Don't get me wrong. But I'm telling you this, if we're engaging in all night prayer so we can convince God we're worthy of a release... We have missed the point. God, I want to pray and I see your glory. I want to see your glory, God. You're a manifest person in my life, in my home, in my circumstances. Mark chapter 5, in verse 28, there was a woman. You know this woman as the issue of blood woman. The woman that spent all that she had. You know, you remember her in the Bible. The one that was about to die. And she heard that Jesus was in town. And her determination was to go see him. Did you catch that? To go see him. And that she might touch him. Because she knew that if she saw him, and that if she could touch him, Everything else would be all right. Her focus was not on her healing. Her focus was on her seeing and her touching. Because Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 10 said that their ears and eyes would be closed because of rebellion and they would not be healed. But the same is true. If you're walking in covenant with God, your ears would be open and your eyes would be open and you would be healed. And if you read that text... She said so in her heart, but that I touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. She didn't say it in her head. She said it in her heart. She said, I've got to see Jesus. I've got to see his splendor. I've got to see his glory. I want to see his majesty. When she touched him in that manner, what did the Bible say? Jesus turned and said, Who touched me? And virtue left him. When you get to the sanctuary of God, according to Psalm 62 and verse 2, when you and I see and peer into the very dwelling place of a living God, and you touch him there, that which he is, that which he possesses in himself, in his person, will splinter off and leave him and be directed to you. Just like it was in the day of Pentecost in the upper room when they were all together praying and asking God for his glory. And the Bible says cloven tongues of fire fell down and rested upon each of them. And in the understanding of the Greek, it literally meant God splintered himself off and his fiery presence began to fall on each of them. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave utterance. But God shared himself with those who were seeking him. 
I really don't need a promotion. I really don't need a new house. I, I really don't need more money in my pocket. I really don't need that new designer suit. No. What I need, what I need is a heart with eyes that are open and a heart with ears that are open to be able to peer in to the very sanctuary of God that I may behold His glory and that I may behold His power. Because when I touch Him there, His power will be released to me. His virtue left and she was made whole. You know, it's interesting to me in that story that that woman so provoked God and so drew on his person that he recognized something left him. Hmm. Now I have a goal in prayer. Now I want God to know that something left him when I prayed. Wait a minute. Our focus is that something would leave us. Poverty would go. Sickness would go. Depression would go. That's all right, but wait a minute. If you touch Him, I don't have to worry about what has to leave me. I just want something to leave Him. And when it leaves Him, it doesn't matter what's been on me. Because when it leaves Him and touches me, everything that was on me has got to go anyway. So why am I praying about something leaving me when I can't pray it off of me? But when virtue leaves him, come on somebody, when the power of God releases from him and touches my life, I don't care if it's an issue of blood or you can't get pregnant or there's cancer in your body or you're looking for a new job or your marriage is in the tank. It doesn't matter because that's got to go. See, we've got it inverted. We're trying to pray to get stuff off of us instead of getting stuff off of Him. God, I need something off of you today. You, you, you God, I just need a piece of your glory. Huh? It was like Hannah who prayed as well in Samuel. She said, I, I, I've got to go to the Lord. And she began to pray. And she prayed or said in her heart, God, give me this child. Because I know where it comes from, God. It comes from your glory. See, everything comes from his glory. Everything we see in the natural, in the physical, comes from the spiritual. Everything has its origin in God. So why would I look for something that has come out of God to bring my need to me? Why don't I go to the source? Instead of looking to man or looking to religion or looking to some other person of influence to try to give me a break. You know how we nestle up to people? We want to network with people. It's not what you know, it's who you know. It's a whole generation of recognizing that we've got to work the system to get ahead. While there may be merit in that, honey, if you'll just work God's system as much as man has learned to work this system, there will be stuff leaving the throne of God that will come into your life.
that eyes have not seen and ears have not heard. I'm talking about why should we pray? Why should you pray? Why should I pray? You know, a lot of people ask me that. They say, I pray every day. Nothing seems to change. Maybe we're praying about things that we have become God over. We put ourselves in God's place. We're saying even with scripture, now in the name of Jesus, I decree and declare that this thing must go. Now that's good. That's really good. That's a nice little saying. But without virtue, it's not going anywhere. Because you can't scare it out of you. You can't shout it out of you. You can't even pray it out of you. But when his glory is released and comes into your life, honey, you're in for a change. Hallelujah. So why should I pray? Why should I pray? I like what Pastor Troy was talking about. I I have to admit I had given up at that game the other night. I threw in my fan member card. I said, I quit. I'm not watching it Sunday night. It's over. These guys make me mad. Don't admit you felt the same way. I'm just going to confess it. I felt like that. I thought, this is ridiculous. You're playing with me. I'm tired of being played with. So I left the room. Now, my wife doesn't even watch sports. She could care less. And she said, there's still one second left. And I'm thinking, woman, you don't know a thing about sports. There might as well be no time left. Talk about one second. What do you know? I left the room. I'm not coming back in there. I said, is it on yet? I'm not coming back in there. And I decided, why not? Might as well. And my wife's praying. Now, bless her heart. She's praying that some miracle would take place. I now understand why we haven't won a championship in Cleveland. I couldn't get her to pray about it before. Now she's praying. I walked in there. I just just walked in as the guy's throwing the ball in. I'm walking in and threw the ball in and turned around and shot it. Oh, my gosh. That ball went in. I think we just won. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, prayer supersedes, surpasses every odd, every limitation, time restraints, age restraints, doctor's report restraints. Let me tell you something. There is a miracle in the atmosphere. When you and I can see the glory of God. And you know what I believe? This is crazy. I just believe prophetically. I'm telling you, it said, a Savior has come to Cleveland. 
king has come. Our redeemer. Folk, I don't know if you understand that. But the Holy Ghost can speak through a goofy basketball game and tell us that we have a Redeemer who's not limited by time, your talent, my talent. He is able. Come on, there's still time on the clock. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. Look at somebody, give them a high five. Now look at back somebody, give them a high five again and say, nice shot. Now look, we've got to get in there and see him. But blessed are the pure in, for they shall. Oh, therein lies the challenge. Blessed are the pure in heart. Say it with me. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. If the premise for power in prayer is seeing into the throne room of God with your heart, then the Bible said, blessed or empowered are they who are pure in heart. Why? Because they're going to see God. You and I are going to be empowered. You and I are going to be blessed because we have a pure heart which enables us to see God. Well, therefore, I can't walk around with crud in my life. If, I, if I'm here this morning and I have unforgiveness in my life, that's going to prevent me from seeing God. Now I've got to revert to that old religious natural prayer. I pray all night, God, oh God, please, 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 do something. You wear me out. Then you come to a conclusion it doesn't work. I pray. I cried, I prayed, I cried, I cried, I cried, pray, pray. Nothing happened. Maybe they're not seeing God. I want to see His glory. You see, if you and I want to pray like this, it's going to require a change of lifestyle. You can't have hatred in your heart. You can't have unforgiveness in your heart. You and I can't be messing around carnally. You, we have to kind of straighten things up a little bit. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord, but he who has clean hands and a pure heart. But you see, I believe today we need more prayer change than we do prayer chains. Prayer chains, although I believe in them, don't please misinterpret me, are sort of like feeding the hungry and clothing the naked. It's like a good social thing to do if you're a Christian and you feel good about it. Well, I'm part of the prayer chain. Praying for you. Praise God. I'm glad you're praying for me. But what kind of heart do you have as you're praying for me? 
And as you got the phone call and took the prayer and then you took it, gave it to the next person and there's a prayer chain, may the chains be unbroken. But wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's look at this from another perspective. Is it another prayer chain that we need or prayer change that we need? And what change are we looking for, sir? Are we looking for a change in your condition, a change in your circumstance, a change in your children, a change on the job? No, 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 no. We're looking for a change in you. Because that's when you can tell a man or a woman prays. It changes them before it changes anything outside of them. It was Isaiah 11 and 3 that simply tells us his delight is in the fear of the Lord and he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes nor decide by the hearing of his ears. Speaking of Jesus. You see, he had to see reality. And reality is the glory of God. That's my reality. The power and presence of God. Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 1 really helps us understand. It tells us to stand our watch and set ourselves up on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me. In other words, it's saying, get in prayer and waiting for God to pray, to to tell you what to, to do in prayer. In other words, he's going to reveal himself specifically according to the need that you have. So God, show me your glory in this circumstance. Show me your situation. But prayer is a spiritual adventure that requires a spiritual guide. Without a spiritual guide, you'll lose your way in prayer. You see, to get into the holy of holies, it takes someone that knows the way. Well, I know the way, preacher. It says, by the blood, that's the way. Wait, 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 by the blood qualifies you to go in, but how do you get there? Well, I just walk right into the Holy of Holies. You need a spiritual guide. That's why Romans 8 and 26 says this. Likewise, the Spirit, your spiritual guide, helps in our weakness, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. It is intimacy with the Holy Spirit that will take you into the porthole of heaven's throne room and say, right here is your position. Here's your spot. Now, take a look. What do you see? And Isaiah says, I see the glory of the Lord and his train filling the temple. God says, you know what? That's all you need. And Paul uttered these words, and I believe is meant in the same application when he said, My grace is sufficient for you. God's unmerited favor or God's willingness to help us even when we don't deserve it, however you want to define it, but let's put it in this application. It is God's grace that's sufficient. In other words, God's grace through the blood by the Holy Spirit that brings you into a porthole to see his glory that says that's enough. All I've got to do is see his glory, and it's enough for me. So this morning, I'm going to ask you the question again, why should I pray? Not because I'm in trouble, not because my kids need my prayers, all those things are good. Not because you're part of the prayer chain, 
but because God's grace is upon your life and the Holy Spirit has brought you to the place where you could peer into his glory and God will splinter himself off in application to meet that specific need. Matthew 17, when Jesus went to the mount, took his boys with him. There he was transfigured, transformed right before them. But I believe it was in prayer. There needs a transformation to come in the life of a believer while we're in prayer. It was Moses who was so transformed by the glory of God. He got addicted, you know. That when he came down from the mountain, he had to wear a veil on his face because his face shone with such brilliance, having been with the glory that it got on him. God, give us a generation whose face, whose faces shine with the brilliance of your glory. That the manifest presence of God is so strong through the light of the believer who had been in your presence that we recognize prevailing prayer is prevailing prayer. I'm going to close with this thought. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 14 tells us, Awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. You know, that particular verse I've often used in different applications, but the Holy Spirit showed me something different this week. He said, Arise, O sleeper. And the Holy Spirit asked me, He says, What do you do when you sleep? I said, Well, I get a little chill. What else do you do? Well, I close my eyes. Ah, there it is, the Holy Spirit said. He said, Here's, Herein lies the problem with my people. Their eyes are closed when they ought to be open. And they can't see my glory. No, no, not the eyes of our natural life because we are looking about here and there for everything that we possibly can when we're in trouble. But he's saying, no, their eyes of their heart have become closed. And tell them to wake up. Tell them to open their eyes. You know, at first, if you've been in a deep sleep, when you first wake up, you have to kind of focus. Rub the sleep out of your eyes. And then behold, a new day. And church, I want to pray this morning that the glory of God would be so intimate with us that our eyes would open. And initially we'd be like, oh my, you just opened up the blinds. And we have to focus. But then we have an anticipation of a new day. The songwriter had it right. The songwriter had it right when he said this, open the eyes of my heart. I want to see Jesus. You see, my motive for prayer this morning is to see His power and His glory. My request is that as a church, we graduate to a master's level and be hungry for His glory. What do you see today? You see trouble? You see problems? You see shortage? You see weakness, not denying that that's not there. But God himself said that he would not judge by what he saw or by what he heard because he wanted to see reality. And reality was the glory of the Lord because the veil has been split and we have access now to his person. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Right now, just lift your hands with me. Just sing that little chorus. Open the eyes of my heart. That I might see Jesus. I want to see you, Lord. 
I want to see you, Lord. Go ahead, sing it. Jesus, we want to see you this morning. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. Please, Lord. I want to see you. That's all I want today. I want to see you. Sing open. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. Do you want to see him? See his heart. I want to see you. One more time, sing it with me, please. Open my eyes. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart, I want to see you, I want to see you. One more time, would you all stand with me, sing it now, come on. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord, oh yes, open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you, Jesus. I want to see you, Jesus. I want to see you, Lord. I want to see you high lifted up, Lord. To see you high and lifted up. Oh, just shining in the light of your glory. Open. 
Open our eyes, Jesus. Open the eyes of my heart, cause I want to see. We need to see you, Jesus. I want to see. Like the prophet Isaiah, we need to see you. We need to see you, Lord. Our earth crying out for your glory. So we pray, God, give us hearts, give us minds that seek your glory, that thirst and long after your courts, that know you in the place of your dwelling. May the residue of heaven fall on us as we spend time there, as we walk in and out of the chamber room of heaven, God, touching you. May it get on us so we can bring it back down to earth give it to those who need it we pray God that we will seek you out we will seek you out not for the things but for your glory for your presence Lord we know if we find you we find everything else that is our hearts cry today we bless you and we thank you in Jesus name amen amen you bless the Lord. Yeah. Altar ministers are coming right now. If you need prayer for anything at all, as the altar ministers come, we want to make the altars available for you. Perhaps you don't want to. You don't want to pray with an altar minister. That's okay. Just let them know. You say, "I just want to spend some time at the altar." They'll allow that. You know, you just come on and find your place at the altar. Listen to me, church. If you're not born again, if you've if you've happened to walk through the doors and you are not born again, the Bible says you must be born again to see heaven. If you're not born again, you don't know for sure. Seal your fate today before you leave. Don't leave. Don't, don't risk that. Christ is calling you. Holy Spirit is drawing you. Come up here today and give your life to Christ. If you need... If you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit, if you need deliverance, if you need a word from the Lord, if you need, if you need information about our Foundations of Faith class, if you're not connected to a small group, we want you to visit our elders table in the back. They're lit up tables. Don't leave. Just visit the elders table back there. Hey, some things we want to announce to you. Uh, if you know any single moms, we're having an oil change on June 6th at 12 o'clock. A free oil change for all single mothers of this ministry. You can sign up at the foyer. Take care of that. Just go out there, sign up. We just need the year, make and model of your car. If you sign up, you come on June 6th. We can give you a free oil change and a car wash. Also, that's great. Also, um, Father's Day, there's a, there's a Father's Day, June 20th. We're having a Father's Day breakfast and not just for fathers and sons, but for fathers and daughters and sons. And so bring your, your, your children. $10 for